Welcome to Self-Care Hacks, the short podcast for overwhelmed and stressed out women who want to learn how to take better care of themselves. I'm your host, Anita Ojeda. I used to suffer from overwhelm and stress too, but I've learned how to take care of myself and take care of others. You can too. People who know me would describe me as a mild-tempered, polite person, one who would never think of telling someone to shut up. In 30 years of teaching, I've never once used that command with my students. But I haven't always been like that. Family legend paints me as an unhappy, surly child. According to my mom, one of my first full sentences consisted of two angry little words, Shut up! Church folk would look at me. Dancing green eyes, burnished red curls bouncing around the neckline of my double-knit polyester church dress, and pay me a compliment. Why don't you look pretty today? Shut up, I would growl, shooting daggers from my eyes. Taken aback, they would turn away, muttering under their breath about the ill-behaved toddler. One day, my father had enough. He promised to take his belt to me if I should ever respond to another person with my favorite sentence. Instead of telling the next hapless victim to shut up, I cagily shortened my phrase and replied with a squinty-eyed, angry-sounding, shut. Of course, rumors quickly spread that the second strong girl needed her mouth washed out with soap for using potty words. As soon as I learned to open doors, I learned the cathartic power statement of slamming them. After not getting my way or squabbling with my sister, the family could track my location by the chain of slamming doors shaking the walls of our home. Once again, my bewildered parents threatened punishment if I slammed another door. I compromised by shoving the door with all my might and catching it by the knob at the last minute. Sometimes my fingers got in the way. My grandma Bonley often shook her head in despair, wondering if I would always linger under a black cloud of anger. As I watched my daughter and son-in-law raise our first grandchild, I can't help but compare my outbursts with his. He had a meltdown or two this summer that looked, well, like a slice of cheese gently conforming to a burger on the frying pan. His emotions, usually frustration because we couldn't understand him, caused him to melt into a heap on the floor. Sometimes he sobbed quietly. The countdown to the meltdowns often involved head shaking, a torrent of no, 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 and maybe a frustrated hit at something. After he wilts, his parents will gently give him the words to explain his feelings. You feel frustrated right now that we won't buy you a water gun? Or you feel disappointed that you can't have another cookie? Empathetic parenting has come a long way in the last half century. My parents and their contemporaries were more apt to say, If you don't stop crying, I'll give you something to cry about. A quick disclaimer here. I have wonderful parents. They parented me to the best of their abilities and the available knowledge at the time. I harbor no hard feelings for their parenting choices. Likewise, our daughters have forgiven us for our parenting errors. I grew up thinking that emotions fell into one of two categories good or bad. The fruits of the Spirit qualified as the good ones, and everything else sat firmly in the bad category. Emotions seemed pretty black and white to me. Until this summer. One morning I opened my Bible to Ephesians 4.26 in the message version and read this, Go ahead and be angry. You do well to be angry. My Bible dropped from my hands. What? We have cosmic permission to feel anger? The footnote referred to Psalms 4.4, so I looked that one up, too. 
Don't sin by letting anger control you. Think about it overnight and remain silent. Maybe I had misunderstood God's views about anger. I distinctly remember reading the Bible from cover to cover in family worship one year, and it seemed like God got angry at the Israelites an awful lot. His anger blazed, consumed, and burned. I came away from family worship with a deep belief that since I wasn't God, I had to rein in my anger. Better yet, I needed to overcome it, ignore it, and relegate it to the back burner of my life. But we all know what happens when we leave the flame going under a pot on the back burner. Eventually, it boils over. The key, it appears, lies in what we do with the emotion. Paul continues his advice on anger by saying, But don't use your anger as fuel for revenge. And don't stay angry. Don't go to bed angry. Don't give the devil that kind of foothold in your life. The Bible doesn't say anger is evil. It says what we do with that emotion can cause problems in our lives. In other words, we need to learn how to get angry. David suggests we think about what angers us and address it the next day. Paul counsels we acknowledge our angry emotions and make sure they don't turn into fuel for revenge. For Paul, that means taking care of the problem as soon as possible. Let's take a deeper look at anger. If we want to experience mental wholeness, we need to learn how to incorporate mental self-care into our lives. Learning how to get angry without losing our cool will help us feel better emotionally. Anger often presents itself as a secondary emotion. When we feel rejected or anxious, we might react in anger. Think of it this way. When you trap a wolverine, the animal feels fear, but it projects ferocious anger. Wolverines caught in live traps constructed of sturdy logs have actually eaten partially through their traps. Not an easy feat for a 30-pound mammal. Anger snarls and lashes out to cover a deeper, sometimes more shameful feeling emotion. We often fall into the trap of stuffing our real emotions and, and displaying one that seems more socially acceptable. Anger. After all, saying, I lost my temper, feels less vulnerable than saying, I feel unloved. Stuffing our emotions has serious drawbacks, though. According to Dr. Susan David, author of Emotional Agility, when emotions are pushed aside or ignored, they get stronger. This amplification of unacknowledged emotions can lead to depression. I'll leave a link in the show notes about where you can find that book. According to the World Health Organization, depression is the leading cause of disability globally. A whole lot of people are failing to practice mental self-care, and it's crippling the world. Here are five hacks to get angry the right way. Hack number one, go ahead, admit it. God created us in his image. And that means that unlike Lieutenant Commander Data from Star Trek, The Next Generation, we all have emotions. It's okay to admit it. Remember, God displays anger in the Old Testament. Hack number two, remember that emotions are, period. They are neither good nor bad. What we do with the emotions results in good or bad things. But the emotions themselves simply mean we are human. Hack number three, we must radically accept our emotions. According to Dr. Susan David, we have to embrace radical acceptance of all our emotions, including the messy ones. We have to learn to accurately label our emotions in order to know how to react. Hack number four, don't confuse your emotions with your identity. 
Sean Webb, a computer game developer who wrote Mind Hacking Happiness, suggests when we feel a strong emotions, we say, the me is. This helps us see our emotions as separate from our identity. If we say, I am angry, we over-identify with the emotion and we can convince ourselves that we are that emotion. Instead, we should say, the me is angry. The me is sad. Hack number five, learn to read the data. Emotions are data. They are not directives, says Dr. David in Emotional Agility. When we feel a ball of anger rising up in our chest, we need to quickly read the data and figure out what core emotion we feel in the moment. Fear, sadness, isolation. Tell yourself, I notice that I am feeling blank. Once we have the data, we can decide what to do with it. Taking care of ourselves means we tune into our emotions and learn to acknowledge them. We can use kind phrases such as, I notice I am feeling angry, or the me feels angry right now, to help us remember that we are not the sum of our feelings. A healthy curiosity about what makes us tick will lead us to self-acceptance. One of the most important forms of self-care we can give ourselves. I lost my short temper and surly demeanor as a preteen when I finally realized God loved me, temper and all. God knew me, and he wasn't finished with me yet. He still hasn't finished with me. Even though he knows all my sins and my secrets, he loves me anyway. I used to try to avoid emotions, but now I'm learning to embrace them. All of them. After all, as Dr. David says, only dead people never get unwanted emotions or inconvenienced by their feelings. Only dead people never get stressed, never get broken hearts, never experience the disappointment that comes with failure. So go ahead, get angry. Just don't lose your cool. That's what David and Paul were trying to tell us so many centuries ago. And don't forget the five hacks for how to get angry the right way. Hack number one, go ahead and admit your feelings. Hack number two, remember that emotions are. Hack number three, learn to radically accept your emotions. Hack number four, don't confuse your emotions with your identity. Hack number five, learn to read the data. Come back next week when we talk about more hacks for releasing pent-up anger. Many of them might surprise you. I know they surprise me. Take care of yourselves, my friends. You are worth it. You can find me at selfcarehacks.net or check out the show notes for links to my social media accounts. If you enjoyed this podcast, take the time to tell a friend. Together we can build each other up and teach each other how to take better care of ourselves. I'll see you here next Tuesday with more self-care hacks to help you overcome the overwhelm.